the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Craig Needles. The London Free Press Podcast, Episode 4. And we continue to discuss the biggest stories in the area as covered on the pages of the London Free Press and in lfpress.com. And we are very happy to be joined by London Free Press reporter Max Martin today on the podcast. Max, thank you very much for joining the show today. Glad that you could give us a couple minutes of your time. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I want to talk to you about a story that you did uh, a couple days ago, but this has been a story that you've been following for a while. And this is about, uh, do we want to call it unrest in Aylmer in regards to protests against COVID-19 health regulations, masking, things along those lines. You were at an anti-lockdown rally in Elmer over the weekend, um, or at the very least covered an an anti-lockdown rally in Elmer over the weekend. What types of things are the people there saying? uh, Why are are they so anti-lockdown? Why has this become such a a hotspot for this uh, uh, this type of protest, this community? Yeah. So, you know, it's very interesting because this protest drew a couple hundred people, you know, police told us about 150, um, maybe 300 people at this. And I think it's kind of interesting when you look at that in the context of Almer is a small town in southwestern Ontario of 7,500 people. So to get a couple hundred people out for uh, a rally like this, uh, you know, is, is interesting to me. Um, Certainly, this has kind of been an ongoing thing in Almer of us seeing more pushback, I guess, against, you know, COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions. But, you know, what we felt was important about this was to to cover it in terms of what is the impact of that on the community? And, you know, the, the area's top doctor, Joyce Locke, she did not kind of pull any punches or mince words here. You know, she said it was dangerous. She said that it threatens uh, hundreds of people in the community and that, you know, we, we clearly should not be doing these kind of things where we're gathering in a large group, not wearing masks, not social distancing um, and, and marching through a downtown to to kind of, you know, spout off against measures that are really in place to to protect people. Um, and so really giving, you know, public health an opportunity to reiterate that these things are unsafe um, uh, was important. Yeah, and that is uh, is a really big part of this is people may see those lockdowns and may become concerned, of course, as far as what it means for them. And they may wonder about the messaging. So public health officials, I think, being very firm and saying this is what you should not be doing right now is important. I think it's incumbent on us in the media to, to get that message out. So you mentioned you talked to, to Joyce Locke, someone I've had a chance to chat with a, a few times here. And they said, hey, this is not what you should be doing. Just what was that conversation like? I'm sure there's some frustration from public health officials in the area. Yeah, you know, I think in, in the statement that they gave, I think there was definitely some frustration that came across. Um, you know, certainly they said, hey, it is an important time to ask questions. Um, I don't think they're disputing that, but I think that it's been very clear we are not to gather in large groups. And I mean, you know, there's current restrictions, emergency laws that cap even outdoor gatherings right now are 25 people, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the Almer police, they completely acknowledged that. They said, yes, there is a cap of 25. Yes, this did violate that. Uh, They chose not to ticket anybody or issue any charges. Um, So I think for some people in the community, you know, in in scanning, as we all I'm sure do, some social media comments on, on stories and on some Almer groups, I think there's a little bit of confusion there for people of, okay, well, these measures are in place. They're not being enforced what does that mean for me as a citizen and and why are they not being enforced? 
that's a, a very good question because the lack of enforcement sometimes might make people say to themselves, well, if they can go out and have this big anti-masking protest, then I can definitely have, uh, take a past example, Thanksgiving with my family, or I can definitely uh, go to this restaurant even though they're not necessarily adhering to social distancing or, or, or whatever it happens to be. I can do these things. And that's, of course, not the message that health officials want to be sent here. So they're kind of having to walk a fine line here between enforcing the rules and not going too far to enforce the rules because that's only going to uh, harden the resolve, you would think, of some of these anti-masking protesters, right, or anti-lockdown protesters. So it is a very, very difficult line for them to walk, I think, just the, 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 from the way I'm seeing it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's totally fair and completely accurate. And I mean, look, we saw this same thing earlier in the spring in April mm -hmm. and May with the Church of God in Almer. You know, when we first had that first wave of lockdowns where pretty much everything was shut down beyond grocery stores and pharmacies, uh, the Church of God was doing protests or, or they were still holding their church services rather on Sundays, they were doing a drive-in. Now at the time, uh, even drive-in gatherings were considered in violation, um, but they had five of these church services, even after they had warnings from Elmer police that if they continued, um, they would be ticketed or charged. You know, the pastor said, that's fine. I would deal with that in a court of law. Now we know that eventually the laws were changed so that drive-in gatherings, uh, you know, were allowed. And then this was kind of used as a solution. Um, but it does kind of, you know, show that pattern. And I think I'm sure that is an issue for law enforcement right now of straddling that fine line between education and enforcement. But I think it does raise a very valid question of at what point do we need to crack down? And I think when a precedent isn't set, um, it does give people that sense of leeway of, oh, well, maybe our gathering was actually a rally about XYZ. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe my gym isn't a gym. It's a church of XYZ, right? Yep. I think people might look for those little leeways and ways to, you know, for lack of a better term, cheat the system. Um, so I think that having clear communication is important. You know, I, I spoke with the Elmer police chief and I did ask him, you know, there, it's very clear on social media that the group that planned this um, anti-lockdown rally has intentions to do it again. And they do again, will we move past education and into enforcement? Now, I don't have a clear, concrete answer to that question. You know, they said they take a measured approach. They look at the whole situation. Um, but I think that a lot of people in the community are, are probably asking themselves, you know, well, at what point, you know, is it when there's a thousand people there? Is that when we draw the line, right? Where do we start to say, hey, this is a serious risk? Because public health did say, and even the mayor of Almer, you know, now there's kind of this nervous sense of in two weeks from now, are we going to see another spike in Almer in terms of COVID-19 cases? Was there a potential that somebody at this rally had COVID-19 and spread it to other people? We don't know. And we're kind of in a waiting game to find out. Uh, and that's the thing. We're not going to really know for, you know, uh, a week, a week and a half, two weeks as far as whether this was a, a quote unquote, we hear this uh, in, in public health all the time, a, a, a super spreader event or even a spreading event. And hey, maybe no one who went even had it. And hopefully, you know, I, I, I knock wood that that's exactly what occurred. No one, no one had it there and this is going to be spread. But we're playing with fire here when we have stuff like this. And when they don't issue tickets or don't issue, uh, uh, and they did issue strong uh, rebuttal in this case, but when they don't issue tickets, uh, it, it makes people in the community think that perhaps we can continue to play with fire or, hey, if they did it, I can do it, like the examples that you set there. And I just, 
I, I, I have a hard time with it. It's an, it's, it's a difficult situation and there isn't really a playbook for this. Cause we've never really been through a situation like this before we hit COVID, but um, it's a, it's a difficult spot for health officials to be in. And I'm wondering if we're going to get to a point and I'll ask you, do you think we might get to a point soon where they start saying we have to start doing tickets? And we've seen them for some stores in London and things along those lines. The one saying, Hey, uh, no judgment if you don't wear a mask and there's, there's a ticket there. But do you think we might seeing, start seeing these for some of these big gathering type of events? You know, I think that it's about, for me, I would say that it's got to be about consistency, right. right? And there has to be a consistency in terms of what is and is not. I think that if things certainly get worse, um, you know, we do need to crack down. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see that in the future. You know, the way we've been trending in terms of areas kind of moving back into stage two, and we're kind of hoping that the cases go down. Well, we even saw this week that our average, you know, seven day average is going up despite the fact that we've been rolling things back across the province. And so I think at some point there does have to be a message sent so that people actually believe that there is, you know, a consequence beyond the the greater good um, that we should be dealing with. You know, people do need to have that apprehension. I mean, we even think Halloween is right around the corner, right? is that a prime opportunity for parties and gatherings? And we've, we've heard very little in terms of people being ticketed um, for having these private gatherings, right? But we do know that those are super spreader events or have the opportunity to spread a lot of COVID. So I think that when we're not cracking down, um, again, it's like, give a little, take a lot, right? And I think that there, there might be, you know, I would not be surprised if we see that coming. Um, to make a stand. But again, it's a matter of who wants to make that stand and where will it happen? You know, there's a lot of moving parts here between public health, local police forces, bylaw officials. We know there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, again, Almer is a small community. Will they want to be that community that steps up and takes a stand? We don't know, right? It might be more in a bigger city or someplace nearby that says, mm. yes, we're going to crack down on this. So it, it's really hard to say, and it's really tricky. And I, and I also think, too, it becomes more complicated in the sense that we are somewhat fortunate in our region and in southwestern Ontario that we've managed to, um, I guess I would say, you know, tamper this this second wave. We right. haven't seen quite that same spike that a lot of the hotspots have. And so I think people do definitely have that mentality of, oh, well, it's not here, or it's just, it's not as bad here. You know, the level of risk isn't as high here, which we know in public health officials have consistently said, that's not always true. You know, all it takes is one little thing and like that, you know, something's out of control. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated as well. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that even though here in London, the surrounding area, as you said, you know, we had a day earlier this week where there was one local case. Those numbers have, have, have gone up since then, but even in our area, it, it, it wouldn't take much for all of a sudden there to be a couple of dozen cases a day. And then what we know about this virus is if there's that many cases per day, that number is just going to go up and up. It's hard to really get things under control unless you're uh, really, really on the ball when it comes to testing and things along those lines. So, uh, yeah, we can't just rest on our laurels of, well, there isn't that many cases of the virus here in London. So therefore, we can just operate as normal. A, people from Toronto or Ottawa may be coming here and that's where sort of some of the other hot spots are in the province. And B, again, as we said, it just takes it takes one type of event like this and it becomes a problem. So uh, we've just we, we've got to continue to be careful here. There, there, there's no other way around that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've written a couple of stories and looked into this idea. I cover a lot of the rural areas in southwestern Ontario mm-hmm. and this idea of fatigue or, or not perceiving as much of a risk in small towns. I mean, we look at, you know, the Huron-Perth Health Unit. I think right now there's one active case in that whole kind of region. You know, still southwestern public health, which does cover Elmer and, and Oxford and Elgin counties, their case counts are, are relatively low right now in terms of active cases. And so I do think those things need to be taken with a little bit of grain of salt. You know, we saw in the beginning of August, Elmer kind of went from zero to, you know, a lot in a very short period of time. We went from nothing, nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, we were in double digit active cases. Right. And so, again, it's exactly that point that, you know, these places can't get complacent and think, well, you know, we don't have transit. We don't have, you know, big places where people would gather that same risk is is still there, right? Of, hey, let's have people over for dinner. And you don't know where that goes, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, want to ask you about something from uh, a, a media perspective. And this is kind of some of what this podcast is about, is sort of get behind the story and, and how we want to cover the story and things along those lines. We, you know, indirectly, we don't give them a, a, a platform where their, their, their facts are not checked, but the people who are running these protests, you know, their signs are on LFPress.com, and the fact that these protests are happening is on LFPress.com. There's still a, a pretty highly watched video about the Elmer Church of God that uh, was, was made in the spring that's, uh, that's, that you can see on your story if you go read it. What responsibility do you have? do you think we in the media have to, to cover or not cover these types of protests? Are we walking a fine line here? I think that we've done the right things here. I think people should know this stuff is going on in their communities and nearby, but there would be some that would say, hey, you shouldn't even pay attention to these types of protests. How, how do you feel about the way that we cover stuff like this or how we should be covering stuff like this? Yeah, I think it's very tricky because I think a lot of people will say, you know, sunshine is the best disinfectant mm-hmm. and sometimes darkness can be a good disinfectant too. Um, you know, I completely agree with you that we have a responsibility to let our readers know about what is happening in their community. And, you know, I'm sure if you're from Elmer and you're driving through, you know, or you saw the photos on social media, yeah, you know that it happens. But um, I think people need a little bit more of that deep dive in. I think that, you know, when people, I think there's a little bit of a misconception, in my opinion, of, of what kind of unbiased or objective journalism looks at, you know, I don't think something that is is in terms of fair and balanced coverage doesn't always necessarily mean, you know, all four parties involved should have absolute equal share in the matter. You know, we're talking to public health officials. They're, they're the experts on the subject. They're the experts on what this should be about. You know, with every story that you do, you're not going to walk down the street and ask a random person who's passing by, hey, what do you think about this? Because that voice might not be relevant to that story, right? And so it's really tricky because we do want to fact check everything. We want to make sure that what is is coming out is correct. Um, and so it is a very fine line of, of giving someone a platform to spout misinformation, um, you know, is not, I don't think an ethical thing to do. I don't think that's the correct thing to do if someone is, is going off on, you know, what they believe versus fact, right? And we have to be able to separate fact from opinion. And, and sometimes it's a matter of making sure that's very clear in a story, for mm-hmm. example, of this is somebody's opinion, versus this is a person quoting a fact, right? And I think that can get very tricky for some people. And I think that can get tricky sometimes too for readers to differentiate, right? And I think that's our job as reporters to to make those kind of things 
clear, right? But, you know, we need to go through the people who are kind of at the top of the chain here um, about why, you know, the broader context of, of what happened here. This was a little bit more breaking down, you know, what could the impact of this event happening be? Um, and not even solely from a public health perspective, but, you know, I spoke with the mayor and I think she put it very bluntly. This just makes our community look foolish, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of anybody who's just Googling Alma or sees coverage, this is their impression that they're getting. And, and I think that, you know, she was very accurate in saying that's not what our community is entirely about. That's not what we're all about. You know what I mean? There are so many people who are following the guidelines and the rules. Um, but, you know, inevitably, this is the splash that people. And, and I, I know. Um, so, yeah, you know, just back to your question, it's very, very, very tricky. That's I think that's a it's a good word. Tricky is a good word. And I think that. Uh, the the best we can do in the media is, like you said, sort of com compare and contrast what uh, what the experts are saying and, and what's going on. And you, you mentioned the statement from Joyce Locke that you got earlier, who's the Southwestern Public Health Medical Officer of Health. Um, so we say, okay, there's a protest, and that's on thanalifpress.com. But the first quote you see about the protest is, participating in a large group activity unmasked as cases are rising everywhere is dangerous. So we, we don't just say, oh, yeah, these people hate masks. We say, yeah, these people hate masks. Here's what the medical experts say about whether you should be wearing a mask right now. So it, it, it's not just a matter of, hey, yeah, what's going on with this protest? It's the, also having the medical fact check in there as well. And I think that's a, a good way and a necessary way to balance this stuff. Yeah. And I think people need to kind of have, you know, that reassurance in terms of that, hey, this this isn't OK. Um, and to see, you know, the top doctor, the mayor, um, speaking out and saying, hey, this is not what should be happening. Um, you know, it's important to get that that voice and that message out there um, so that people know, you know what I mean? I mean, again, it's like what we talked about earlier with following the guidelines, you know, where do we draw this line? And, and I think people need these reminders um, of why we're doing what we're doing. And, and I think Joyce put that very well, Dr. Locke, um, in saying, you know, what we've been doing has been working we've been very fortunate in our region, right? Uh, in terms of low cases, low numbers of hospitalizations and deaths. And so, you know, when you're reiterating those kind of points of, well, yes, we've done this and it has resulted in this. And that's important for people to remember, you know, yeah, everyone's getting fatigued right now. We're seven months in, it's been a long year. Um, but to have that reminder that, hey, you know, this is working and, and we don't know what things would look like you know, if, if we didn't follow all these measures, right? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's exactly it. Uh, we, we know they'd be worse. We don't know exactly how much worse, but we have a pretty good idea that they'd be worse. Uh, anything else about these protests or about your coverage of uh, uh, COVID-19 that you want to uh, you know, come in here with, Max, before we uh, wrap up here on the podcast? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, too, that this is happening in Almer, uh, partly because as a community, they have a very high case rate. So they've seen 88 cases, uh, that's cumulative cases, um, but that puts their, you know, when, when public health will look at a measure called case rate per 100,000, which is a scalable measure, basically in terms of, you know, how wide is, is the spread, that kind of thing. Um, they have a very, very high case rate per 100,000 if you scaled it up, um, you know, having 88 in a town of 7,500, right? It, it's a higher number than even Ontario's average, even a hotspot like Toronto's average. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that a community that's actually seen a high incidence for the small population that they have has this much pushback 
inside of it, right? When when we know that there is a risk there and when we've seen those cases there, um, I think it's another interesting layer. And I just think it, it's there's a lot, you know, there about what it's like in, in certain towns and, and where we can find people that, you know, feel one way versus another. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just about places need to be be safe and, and people need to make sure that, you know, as, as Dr. Locke put it, you know, you're looking out for not only yourself, but you're looking out for your community and the other people in it. And I think that's a just an important reminder for people to have. I would say that is absolutely an important reminder that uh, that, that people need is, uh, you know, when we're doing the stay home thing, in, in most cases, it's not for yourself. For some people, it definitely is. But for most for most people, it's not because this is what might happen to you is what might happen to the people around you, what might happen in the community. And uh, the vast majority of us are on the same page when it comes to that messaging. But uh, apparently there's some folks in Elmer who uh, were not necessarily. And as we said, I guess we're going to continue to watch uh, uh, the case counts there in the uh, in the area. And hopefully this was not an event where there was a lot of spread. Uh, but uh, again, we're going to have to keep an eye on it, right? Yeah, and we'll, and we'll see if another one of these happens again. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen that there are, is an intention for that. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to watch if there's another one of these, what happens from there and, and where we go. Well, we will keep on it and certainly keep covering it in the pages of the London Free Press and on LFPress.com. Max, thank you so much for doing the podcast with us today. Glad yeah, that you could uh, give us a couple minutes, okay? Perfect. That's Max Martin, reporter with uh, the London Free Press and Post Media, joining us here on the London Free Press podcast, which, of course, you can access on Spotify, Stitcher. You can get us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Find us on YouTube. That's where a lot of folks are finding us. And, of course, uh, we uh, have every episode posted to lfpress.com. Thank you very much for listening to this to the program this week. We will be back at you uh, next week with episodes five and six of the London Free Press podcast.